0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast,
1: a podcast presenting the very best panels pertaining to RPG design and publishing. This has been made possible by Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show! Episode
0: 43, Book Design 101, recorded at Metatopia 2013 presented by Fred Hicks and Hal Mangold.
2: I actually got some sleep Hey Fred, what are we covering today?
1: This is Book Design 101. Okay. Uh, at the very least, let's talk... What the panel's about—it's about book about design 101. Uh, there's also a, uh, I think, a graphic design for beginners panel. So we're probably going to see some overlap uh, between the uh, uh, between those two panels here. Um, but we're, I'm going to try to make sure that we focus a little bit more strongly on um, also the book, the actual book production uh, side of things, as well as uh, you know, some of the uh, the uh, concepts going into it. Um, uh, I'm Fred. I make books. I made these books. Uh, that's Hal. He makes books hey, too. Hey.
2: Morning, Hal. Sorry, buddy. Um, it's cool. uh,
1: so, I was mentioning, um, both of us are uh, also on the panel for graphic design for noobs later on in the uh, programming. So, I think we're going to cover some of the same territory, but I think we also want to talk about like book production. Yeah, I think so. In terms of the actual like getting it pressed. press. Is Brennan not joining us? or uh, Was Brennan on the thing, or is he on the other thing? I don't know. It what might be. Schedule. Um, I, I have not seen them yet. that's all right. Okay, so cool. <sighs> sorry, I was late. It's all, it's all fine. They, they don't give you any breaks to like, make it from no, they to <laughs> point B. No. So. so it goes. All right. So I'm going to let you guide, basically. Okay. okay. So. Sure. Yep. Um, I'm <laughs> not awake, but why not? Uh, right, yes. So uh, Hal and I are both uh, simultaneously publishers and uh, graphic designers. Um I think with, when you're looking at like fairly small presses, you will often find that combo of uh, you know somebody who's running the business is also doing the layout of the books. And um, sometimes to the detriment, and sometimes, so, sometimes to the sometimes it's detriment. I've certainly gotten to the point with Evil Hat where I need to start getting other people to do that, and that is you know always the trying it out of my cold dead fingers kind of uh, moment. I think uh, when you when you start to have to do that.
0: Plus, graphic designers are notoriously uh, uh, catty. Like yeah. the, standard, the standard graphic designer response to some of the other designers'
1: work is, well, I guess you could do it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and if you're ever in some other graphic designer's layout file, uh, it, it is like walking into a foreign land where it seems like everyone's speaking the language, but, but you know, all of the customs are, 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 are strange and different. And, and sometimes you're just like the, the craziest thing imaginable.
0: It, it, is, it, it is probably one of the more personal things... Graphic designers do is how you organize your files yes how you name your stuff yeah. how you layers I mean inheriting another person's
1: layout is there's at least usually a day or so of just code decoding yeah. so uh, uh, Hal and I are both self-taught um, as far as the, uh, the layout stuff goes uh, but I think there's still um, uh, there are plenty of principles that we can pass on to you that have a almost almost formal machine I think, I think so. Um, uh, I'm going uh, to be mentioning this in the other panel as well, but I've, this is a book I think everyone should get. Not necessarily this edition of it, there are many editions I think she puts out another one every uh, couple of years. But the Non-Designer's Design Book. Uh, this, uh, regardless of whether or not you plan to do layout yourself, even if you are, are looking to be able to deliver like a Word document in a way that people's eyes don't glaze over when they're, when they're looking at due to the formatting issues, uh, uh, this uh, this book, uh, the non-designers' design book by Robin Williams, not the comedian, um, uh, uh, breaks things down into some very sort of basic principles that you can apply to any sort of thing that you do with text. And uh, I actually can don't even have effect, this. Yeah. We're we'll beginning copy now because I uh, it, it, it can even affect like how you choose to format your plain text emails uh, sometimes to to like actually get people to read the information that's in the third. Paragraph. It's a great book. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty yeah. affordable on Amazon. Um, uh, and uh, just to read from the table of contents very briefly, um, what she uh, talks to you about first are the four basic principles: proximity, alignment, repetition, and contrast. Um, we can get into those details a little bit, but uh, uh, sort of uh, to give a high level view on that. All of those are, are principles of relationships between the, the objects and the and, and font choices, color choices, anything in uh, and the book that you create um, that helps signal to the reader, "Oh, this is a section that is separate from this. Oh, this is a section that is like that other section that was formatted the same way. Um, consistency is a, is a big, big part of uh, uh, your layout choices when you're, when you're designing a book because it uh, it sort of introduces the person in subtle, not always noticed ways of uh, how to expect certain kinds of information as they're encountering it. And this means that uh, it makes it a better reference when people are flipping through it quickly because they recognize, oh, that's the that's the sidebar format. It's always the sidebar format. It always looks that way. Yeah. But, and, and, but also that this is separate from the main flow of the text so that I don't necessarily need to... Veer into this and get distracted when I'm reading, like the the main body or something. Right, right. right.
0: A, bi- two ba- a basic principle of graphic design is graphic design is two things: it is making it look pretty, and it is making it usable. And the confluence of those two things is really where you want to be, especially for RPG books, because mm-hmm. we're so reliant on visual impact for conveying the and world. That let's you're actually talk to about. Like I think RPG
1: books are actually the, probably next, uh, alongside academic textbooks, the most complicated kind of layout there is in layout. 100, percent because it is a reference. It is also meant to be read linearly. We're basically writing a you know, non-boring textbook. And yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's also trying to be a teaching text, and it's trying to entertain, right? I mean, it's doing so many jobs that are often, um, one of those jobs is something that a book does. Yeah. Um, so uh, as, you're, as, as you're, you're often struggling um, in, in designing a book, and designing the content of a book, to, uh, to figure out how to achieve all of those things simultaneously. Um, and I don't know that it's 100% achievable. I mean, I think I think basically it's it's all about finding the most attractive compromise you can. Okay. Um, and I would actually say there's there is a third uh, uh, element of uh, layout which is not being noticed that you're doing. Those, those oh, doing sure, yeah, right. not, it, uh, it, that's layout great. that you notice is often kind of troublesome. Yeah, um, uh, unless your you know your your brains work like ours at this point. Yeah, you know, well, I, it's funny and you're, too you're because sort of trained to look for how they're. That are slipping this bit of uh, uh, formatting.
0: Underway. Some games can benefit from that. Like there are a lot of in, uh, small indie games um, that are uh, that are very very consciously designed, and they slap you in the face. Like I believe was it Mountain Witch is a very designed yes. game, yes. and it, and it's not a detriment at all like well, to you, it.
1: You can make a point with layout. Just make sure that you mean to be. Made. That's, that's very good.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Is, is, is that your layout says something, and just make sure it's not saying things you don't want to say. Yeah, you know. Uh, Which is a really abstract uh, thing, but... Well, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> Got ahead. Uh, when you mention Mountain Witch, because it's
0: so small and such a tight little game, would not work, I don't think, for something like... You, know, you would not like, want big, this <laughs> in Mountain Witch. No. That's <laughs> not fitting it at all. I mean, this, this is not the type of layout you would want that at right. all. Its layout actually perfectly fits. What I, mean, I, to I to think
1: do. part of what Mountain Witch is communicating is uh, sort of the culture shift, because a lot of the people actually playing the game are not you know, steeped in being samurai, going up a, a hill, yeah, uh, yeah, a, a hill to kill a, to kill a witch. But it, it very much drops you into that that the time and the place that it's that is trying. It to does get. a good job
0: of, of saying you're not you're not in you
1: know Kansas anymore or any other role playing yeah exactly played before you know. There's a very definite shift. Um, to it. Some of the stuff I did with uh, the Dragon Files role playing game is uh, about trying to achieve uh, those multiple purposes, those multiple goals that I was talking about. Um, there are a lot of different ways you can encounter the text you can uh, uh, read through it for entertainment value uh, but every time there's a rule we uh, would stick one of the uh, characters from the novels uh, uh, talking in the margins asking a question about it which causes the reader to slow down, engage with the text a little bit more and, and, and get a second vector of uh, comprehension of the information that's there or if they're old hat or they don't, they don't care to read that stuff they can just blaze past it but also by framing those, those marginalia uh, notes as in the voices of the characters, we're also providing entertainment value. So, you know, it's, it's, that, is, that is a tricky balancing act. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to pass this around as well uh, for you guys to look at to see some of what's going on there. Yeah. Um, um, probably start talking about some like, basic principles of what you should do when you're starting to design a book. I mean, the first thing you should probably do
0: is pick your fonts. Yeah. And I think the big mistake a lot of people make is picking too many of them. Um, Absolutely. I I know I've been guilty of that in the past and uh, you'll probably, if you're just starting, you'll probably do it a couple
1: times yourself and then you'll go back and look at it and you'll be like, what was I thinking? I mean, I think another uh, uh, thing is uh, uh, make sure that you have made your piece with white space. Um, Well, you know what I mean, Uh, I I feel like early starting out, especially self-taught with layout, uh, i feared white space a lot i always sure. wanted to stick something in there but i still do it i still yeah, do it exactly. almost all the time uh, and there. it is often a good place to stick an art element or something yeah. but uh but at the same time uh you know recognizing the value of uh an empty space around a text as giving it an opportunity to breathe as giving it an opportunity to convey that that text is important because it's the it's the only thing in that that larger space um uh, it's it's yeah. it's powerful. Like like um, leaving that much white space at
0: the bottom of this page, like twitch tw- twitch. That was hard. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it it, really that's it. the impetus is to fill it all. Especially depending on who trains you to mm-hmm. the graphic designer I trained with was very much like it was Matt Forbeck and
2: right yeah he was well, really good. But I mean I think there's
1: there, there's uh, also some elements there where you're making sure that the ch- chunks of information because that's fairly chunky you're looking at stat blocks there. Yeah, your chunk of information that is uh, uh, definably a unit a stat block is living all on the same damn page. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and splitting stat blocks across the thing wrecks comprehension, especially in the era of looking at things on tablets as yeah. much as in, in print. Yeah. Um, you and looking and, at and you want to kind of think about that, and that, that means you may you know, end up doing in 24 pages what you could have done in 16, um, and yeah, maybe you're saving yourself a few cents per book on that, but you're you're probably adding to a certain amount of frustration for your, for your end user. Yeah. Um, but so, so you've chosen your fonts and, you know, font choices can be problematic, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's practically a panel of its own. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, I think the, uh, uh, this is one of the places where the, uh, the principle of contrast um, from that, that book that's going around uh, is particularly uh, key. You want, your, you want your header fonts to have a certain amount of, uh, your headers to have a certain amount of white space separation before you hit the next one so that it's not something you, you run past and you also want the, uh, that, that font choice to be a fairly high contrast uh, in terms of being significantly different from uh, the body text that follows it uh, so that if somebody holds the page out like this, they can very easily spot where the sections of information are in it and uh, when they're closer to it, it's not necessarily as, as quick of a spotting thing, but their their lizard brain is responding to it. They're, yeah. they're, they're you know, the, the, the instinctive way that they interact with it uh, is, is being engaged. Uh, like two basic things I would say if you're starting to construct a book
0: is if you find yourself contemplating a non-standard, like either a font a, 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 that is not a standard serif or sans serif font. you guys know what serifs are? Serifs are the little crossbars on stuff. And not some, so it would be like Arial versus Times New Roman. If you find yourself contemplating one of those for your body text, stop. Don't do it. You will regret it later. People will pick up your book, like, like me and Fred, will pick up your book Sort of look at it, smile sadly, and put it down. I mean, it's it's. It goes I've seen people get away with a, a, a sans serif, but it has to be a very specific S- kind of sans serif is fine. But, but but if you're talking about like like you're talking about something that's a little more decorative or what you might think is characterful, yeah, don't, no. um, you know, like if you if you lay out your book in papyrus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, that's the sort of thing where even, it's just readability is the main thing, and that that is not that is decorative text right. that is good for emphasis but I mean, it is not good for I can everybody. talk about the
1: Joseph Files bug a little bit there um, you know because we ended up using handwriting fonts for those character voice notes in the that's margins. perfect for those it's perfect for those but also it's perfect for those only because those tend to be fairly short mm-hmm. and so tend to be not broken not up different. a lot like there's like there's maybe one sentence per paragraph we chose not to put sections in that because Exactly. Uh, uh, so um, there, were, there were some choices we made uh, there where we said, okay, this this one of the trio of characters who are going to be commenting on the text will occasionally uh, talk to the reader straight from the text itself rather than from the, the, the sidebar text. When he's doing that, we're not going to freaking lay out his three paragraphs of GM advice in, in the handwriting font. That's going to wreck your ability to read it. Um, and it's not actually adding anything. So there we need to make sure that he's, he's living in the text as the text. Um, yeah, um, so I'm trying to find an example
0: here of, of stuff. You know, certainly anything for pull quotes or anything like that, you're usually going to be fine. Anything that's characterful is fine, like mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. But, um, um, but but for your body text, I, I have seen, you know, um, uh, people do their first book and they'll do something in, like, a fantasy-esque font for their entire book. Mm-hmm. And it's just maddening to read. It's a huge it is, mistake. Yeah, because um, it's... and. The other thing is is uh, is basically uh, making your text too um, too uh, what's the opposite of dense? I've not enough. Too Mm -hmm. too 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 loose. Yeah, a a book can look like 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 uh, people are more forgiving for a book that's like twenty pounds of awesome in a ten pound sack than ten pounds of awesome in a twenty pound sack. You know, where I've seen books where the book is quite literally three to four times longer than it really should be, and Mm. you can tell, and it feels. I mean, people think, "Oh, I'm selling people this really big book, and they're going to feel like they get a lot of value." And if you open it up and you inside, and the, te- the text is so light, it's just it's 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 almost a little like, "What did I buy?" I mean, uh, I bought this huge thing that's taking up space in my house now, and the spacing is 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 just ridiculous. I, I don't have any. Uh, there, I mean, to there's mind. Some, there,
1: there's some interesting rules of thumb you can uh, work by. Um, uh, if your font, if your body font choice uh, uh, lets you type um, the entire lowercase alphabet more than like two and a half times, um, your the width of your, your line width is too too wide, your column width, whatever it is. That's a good rule. Uh, yeah, um, and you don't, at the same time, unless it's like little punchy things in the margins like we did, um, uh, you don't necessarily want to go uh, narrower than about one and a half times the lowercase alphabet. Uh, so that's about your band in which you're not going to, you're either not going to chop up the text so much that people get uh, like... It's too staccato, and they're not really holding the thoughts together. Well, that can work, but it's tricky. Um, and you're also not uh, getting them lost halfway through reading across this very wide line of uh, line of text. Um, uh, incidentally, this is why you see a lot of web pages these days, even though they'll, you know, your your browser is as wide as your widescreen monitor or something like that. They've constrained it um, so that the that the actual text area of it is uh, often a fixed width. And the reason for that is, is very much that you, because if you if you let people just elastically size this thing hugely wide, um, they'll they'll just get lost and they won't they won't uh, know what sentence they're in. Yeah,
0: just, just as a side note, for all these rules we're talking about, for every one of these rules, there's a graphic designer out there who, who can, breaks them, who breaks and, makes them work. and makes it work. Yeah. But you really sh- these are good principles to start with when you're designing your first yeah. book because you're, you're um, you know it, it'll just make it a lot easier for you. Yeah. Um, let's see. In terms of formatting, let's talk about formatting a little bit. I think I think this format right now is sort of like where a lot of game companies are heading these days. Um, you know, the eight and a half by eleven has been the standard for years and years
1: and years in stores. Yeah. And then the the, the and Indy kind of came around. Yeah. And there were a lot of uh, five and a half by. Um, but you'll notice this half, six by nine. This is and and tablets this, are becoming very right, exactly. popular. By- and the six by nine format preceded the tablets, so it was kind of serendipity that there was all this content that was ready to be read very comfortably on a tablet. And a bunch of older content from the eight and a half by eleven era that wasn't so comfortable. Yeah. Um, uh, so, because you know, so, here's a standard
0: eight and a half by eleven book, and you know, to read this really comfortable, you got to do this, you got to yep. blow it up, and it's you know, it's good, it's fine for reference. I, 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 I think I
1: kind of knew that um, that they, this this format had gotten severe legitimacy when D and D Essentials <laughs> came out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not they marketed that product well, um, the, the the fact that they chose to do D and D down in more of this sort of format was very telling in terms of... Well, it's actually uh, a reaction, reaction to where
2: the market for indie games is going. They <laughs> yeah. have to be on the shelf the yeah. same way as those... Yeah. It's ironic, of them. course,
0: that they sized their book perfectly for tablet and then didn't release it for tablet. Yeah, well, there <laughs> so. you go. Right.
1: That's, that's, that's uh, Wazi's electronic policy going on. Yeah, Unfortunately, they've got their heads together a little bit more. Than yeah. right now, but. Um, Can I ask a question? Yes, please. Um, so we're doing Dawning Star, and we were going to go with 85 by 11 because
2: of the size I've of the done book. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not problem, a problem you can not do. A, well, I mean, this is a 520 really, page, page book, right? Is,
1: right? And this is yeah. about as comfortable as I as comfortably large as I'm Yeah, yeah, to get yeah, with a with a 6x9. And even so, this is 520 pages, right? There there are some people who are going to resist buying it because it seems like too much content. And I'm not Even saying though this is in eight and a half by eleven it would probably be maybe a three hundred yeah, page
0: book. And I'm not saying this is the standard format now. I'm saying this is much more acceptable than it was at, at yeah. one point. At one point it was the mark of like, you know, oh look at you doing this on the cheap. Yeah. Oh, and now yeah. it's yeah, now it's a conscious choice that people do it. And
1: yeah. and um, and uh, you know, there
0: are different diva- design challenges with
1: smaller books. Yeah, uh, um, it's very hard to get away with doing a two column presentation in a six by nine book, but at the same time uh, you're your area in which you could put a line of text is so wide compared to what you should probably keep the f- size of the font at yeah. that you end up going. Okay, am I having too much margin in here? How do I how do I address that? Uh, yeah. Some of the things I uh, and sometimes you can do that with you can address that with some decorative uh, stuff here. Uh, other times you can uh, choose to have a fat margin but then put additional content in it, such as your page references, um, which. Uh, like, principle of con- contrast at work here is another way to make sure that people catch those page references and that the cross-references actually have uh, greater utility for people as they're going through the text.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, uh, but there's certainly every reason to still... I mean, first, for instance, if I, have a, if I have a game that is relying... Sorry. Uh, on conveying, it's it's um it's setting through really really beautiful full color art. By all means, eight and a half by eleven, Dresden files it up. Do it yeah. big. Well, and yeah. we had
1: we had like I don't know a quarter was it a quarter million words in just the first book or something like that. Yes. it was it was ridiculous. Um, uh, and if we had sized it for the six by nine as was our kind of preference, um, I mean this is already a four hundred page book. It would have been. Would've box been set. Yeah, there was just no way to make it work. You can't do two two column on a. Uh,
0: on a, a six by nine, but I mean, yeah. for instance, in this layout, that's not the standard way I did it. It was an exceptional thing used to compress yeah, information. I mean, it's, it's tri- and, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. It's useful for certain things, but this is the standard text presentation here, where it's a one column, mm-hmm. you know, with, with uh, stuff like that.
1: And uh, also, you're doing something here. You're rag uh, right, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I rag right. Yeah, yeah. There, there's uh, uh, a number of opinions floating out there around whether or not you uh, justify your text, which is uh, yeah, the right edge of your paragraph is a nice clean line or whether you go ragged on it, um, uh, which is, uh, you know, the, the words end where they end, and um, they left that way. Um, and it I, I, thought, the thought with rag right is that ragged right, but we're geeks and we like to shorten things. Rag right um, is... Uh, so this is this is an example of it, ragged right text. You can see where it a, doesn't all justify up against the line here. Uh, when when uh, when text is justified, um, the, the, the program uh, that's doing the justification is... Uh, trying to like insert little tiny extra spaces in between the letters of the words and in between the words, and it gets really weird on te- on text wrap around graphics, especially. Yeah, but and like especially short line lengths uh, justified can cause just- these really. That's full justification. Up. Yeah, and then there's the question of
0: whether you hyphenate or not, in your right? Yes, exactly.
1: Um, and then you can make choices about whether or not you want the final line to be about the same length as all the other lines, and the, there are a number of, you know, sort of small choices to be uh, made around how you're presenting a block of text. that has to do with whether or not it has more text like it following it or whether it's a standalone um, where you're trying to fit it. Uh, but, but it also, also has an influence,
0: I, I think it has an influence also on the feel of, of the game, I think, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, you know, like for instance, this, you know, this is Day After Ragnarok. It's a game about post-apocalypse and I think the Ragnarok rag kind of fits because it's a little disjointed, and it keeps yeah. you a little off kilter. Whereas a really clean thing, it feels a little less 1948 diesel Yeah, it feels, punk,
1: yeah, I mean. it feels a little more... A little bit more modern, a little yeah. bit more regimented, a um, little cleaner. You know. um, I mean, some people, uh, uh, you know, have stronger opinions than, than we do. I, I think you and I will go for either one as as suits. Um, it's but some people are right like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but some people will look at a ragged right Texan and go, that's that was a horrible choice. You shouldn't. You should not ever do that. No, no, no. I mean, they'll well, say, well, I guess you could do it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I was thinking of Luke Crane, so he yeah. would probably actually. You're agree. right. He this would. The is a horrible, yeah. bad book because yeah, of uh, whatever. Um, the, uh, uh, but the, yeah, the idea, the idea there being uh, uh, it's, it's partly about, um, again, sort of the mood you're setting. Um, and uh, it's also partly about comprehension. Um, uh, if you're having a lot of narrow text, justified text will probably mess up your day because there's going to be lots of weird spaces in there. And it's going to be very jumpy and it's going to cause these huge gaps in between uh, words line after line after line which forms this kind of negative space river uh, uh, through your text and when those start jumping out those start becoming a shape that your reader's brain is trying to get around and not see so that they can actually see the text and it just, again, corrects comprehension um, but if you have uh, you know, a wide enough column you can get away with that and it can look nice and, nice and crisp that becomes really pronounced in what Hal was saying about padding books. Um, mm-hmm. Like you start to be able to make designs of the spaces that have been intersposed in there by the yeah by the parser. Yeah, yeah. it starts to look bad. Yeah. look like uh, build so a bit of mongoose book and you'll see it. Make sure I'm right. Yeah, oh, so you're yeah, warming the cockles of my dark little heart there. Yeah, so with uh, uh, with uh, Dresden, uh, we had a wide enough column that we could do the. Uh, that we could do a justified um, uh, right edge, but whenever we we were doing marginality or something like that, that's not justified because it's such a narrow narrow chunk. Um, and also justification just looks really crappy with a handwriting just font. handwriting. They're not going to be you think yeah, do that okay. yeah, never justify handwriting font. Yes. That's just a good rule yeah. right there. Um, they, I mean, you're
0: antithetical to what a handwriting font is supposed to be conveying. I, I will also
1: say, also be very careful about how often you justify, not justify, centered text. Uh, centered text is... Uh, much less warranted and useful than the people who like to center text think it is. Um, it kind of conveys a very um, static, stately sort of thing, and your your axis of alignment is not an easily seen line, it's the center. Um, uh, which kind of says, okay, everything is in balance and very careful, don't touch it. And your brain kind of goes, oh, okay, well I'm not going to touch it. So it might be good for like your credits page, although sometimes you can get a really striking thing by saying no, I'm going to right justify everything. Um, Or like, here's where I use
0: the centered thing in a text and stuff. It's like, here is a call out for a formula. Right. Boom. You know, it's a very, very, it's a very
1: different thing. You're using it sparingly and you're using it as a point of contrast. So that you're going, oh, nothing else in this book is center aligned. Now that's grabbing my attention. Yes. So when I see these, I know what to look for. Yeah. Uh, it's good for like a data column or something like that. Yeah, or like table like, tables tables, tables like that. are oftentimes it's really good just because <coughs> this is just you know you want to make it easy to read. You know, but I don't think that necessarily like your 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 color quotation that sets the mood for a thing necessarily needs to be like centered. And sometimes you can you can actually like harm the reading of the quote because the last line is like those two words in the okay. middle, and you, you kind of you haven't actually helped it. Like some indentation on each side. So that its margins are different, so you're getting contrast that way, but then doing a left-aligned. That's good. But anyway, uh, so... But, uh, contrast is a good word, though. Con- much of... Well, of contrast con- is probably the biggest principle from that um, yeah. design m- book.
0: M- that much of I information think. layout is making things different enough from each other that you can tell when you have, you have changed from one type of... Information to another, and like, when
1: you've started a new section, yeah, like that's where some of the contrast through spacing, yeah, and, is, and, and consistency
0: know. in your contrast. So, like, if you have an example that's all that, that's uh, that's like you know indented and uh, italicized and starts with a bold word, make sure that all of them do that because that gives the the, the 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 reader a visual
1: cue for what they're about to get when they get there. You can also do tricks with um, with unusual alignment choices like uh, right justified text, right aligned text, um, uh, to suggest a relationship between two elements on a page that are actually not positioned close to each other, but if suddenly all, both pieces of information at the top of the page and the bottom of the page are on its right edge, um, uh, but everything else on the page is left edge, and somebody's going to like look quickly at that page, catch both of those things and perceive a relationship between them. So that's part of what I what I what that book is uh, gets into with the principles is talking about how those relationships are built and communicated and then like instinctively understood by uh, the reader. Uh, Let's see. So so we're at about half an hour of stuff here, and we primarily talk about graphic design. Let's let's just have a quick talk. Does anybody have a question about the graphic design Right? Do you both use InDesign? I was just, I was actually about to get the to the that. Let's talk really quickly about tools.
0: tools. As far as I'm concerned, if you're not using InDesign, <laughs> I, mean, I mean there there are a couple of open source softwares that you can make an excuse for using. And there's
1: Quark out there, but that just hasn't been.
0: Here's the thing about Quark: when you when your software distills to your competitors' format to go to print, you've lost. Yeah. Um, and Quark is if it, the Quark is holding on because they are in legacy format. They're in big companies that have invested in Quark and they they maintenance their people.
1: Quark is the Pepsi-Cola layout, it, right?
2: It is. It's, it's Pepsi Coke, right? Yeah, it's the
1: clear leader in
0: it. Yeah, industry. yeah, and and um and InDesign is just is really it's very 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 good software. Um, and it's it's the sort of the industry standard. And if I, the only other thing I would consider using probably would be some sort of open source thing, which I would be using almost on principle rather than uh, because it was better. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. But, you know. So. But yes, use InDesign. Um, I think the Adobe Creative Cloud subscription is
1: absolutely totally worth it in yeah. every way. Because if, if you can afford fifty bucks a month, you have access to like the entire suite of tools, which yeah. is so you so know six hundred a year is so much less than it used to be. Because I mean, they were still putting out. A new version of InDesign every year. They're basically charging you about seven hundred bucks a year to stay current. Now they're charging you six hundred bucks a year, to stay a year. Current and have access to the entire suite of products.
0: Yeah, where you get everything. You get you get Premiere. You get the sound editing software. You get if you want to do Flash stuff, you get Flash. You get you do it on any
1: computer, like it's yeah, it's yeah, it's,
0: uh, Mac. Uh, yeah. Say, yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah exactly.
0: Two machines per subscription. Two machines per subscription. Yeah, you do a desktop and a laptop. Yeah. So um, that's which is generally what most graphic designers need. Yeah. But it, it's the best tool. Um, I actually would like to recommend if you're on the Mac. Um, if you can uh, I think that the main font manager is pretty garbagey it's a of um, and if you switch I use a thing called font case mm-hmm. uh, and if you set it up correctly which is a little bit of a pain in the ass but you can do it you can actually set it up so that it'll sync it, your fonts between say if you have a desktop and a laptop oh, and keep nice. your fonts synced between the two so that you're not always, like, moving to your laptop and, and the font is... Yeah, installed I only have the one Mac right
1: now, so i not...
2: Yeah, that's cool. But
0: fun- fun- case yeah. is really good. It, it, it has a much better um, interface for visually examining what fonts you have, if you want to skip through your own fonts and see what you've got. Um, and the one thing I've discovered is, is originally I used to keep all my fonts activated, and it'll just drive you crazy, because...
1: You're scrolling too much to find, the, the like, the 12 favorite fonts. Because like I don't know about, if, about you, but I'm a font pack rat. I, like, I have... I have I pack all my stuff into Dropbox, and I just grab it out when I need it. Yeah, but, but you have a bunch. Yeah. They're just in a box. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> so, uh, so easily a thousand.
0: If you, you know, uh, uh, the font dropdowns in most Adobe software are, like, if you have all your fonts activated, they're like this, yes. and you scroll through. And, and, by the way, if anybody ever learns how to turn off the Chinese fonts, tell Fred not, because... Yes!
1: Jesus. Uh, but, uh, uh, I mean, I, my, my, uh, I'm bad with names. I'm actually, it turns out, also bad with font names, so I will, like, go, I know the body font I want starts with a C. There are 50 C fonts there. Yeah. I'm yeah. screwed. And, and the then thing. it turns out to be cheap. You know, well, that's the nice thing about font case is
0: you, you ca- it, it'll import all your fonts and you can have them not active. Yeah. And then you, it gives you a very Linear nice build sets. It, yeah, you build sets. It has a very nice visual browser for you scrolling through all your fonts and looking at them. And so I recommend that a lot. I think it's like it might be like 25 bucks in the App Store. And I think there may be a PC version of it too. I'm not sure, but um, it's a good it's a good piece of software. Yeah. If there's a comparable font software. A font, font management software that gives you the ability to visually examine your own fonts and turn them on and off will benefit you. It'll be a help. Um, I guess Photoshop, is. All, I also use... Illustrator is probably the thing I'm the weakest at, but it's what I want to know more about because vector art is really, really useful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm no artist, but I can sometimes geometrically approximate one thanks to Illustrator. So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm really happy about it.
0: Yeah. Um, and and Il- the current version of Illustrator has the ability to do stuff like convert a raster graphic, which is a standard like photo or something, into a vector graphic. And a yeah. vector graphic. Vector um, tracing. Vector mm-hmm. tracing can be scaled up to bigger sizes. You Basically, you open Without a vector them. file, you yeah. can tell it how large you want it, and it scales everything up. And it won't be pixelated. Right. Or at least there.
1: <laughs> It'll have different quirks. So.
0: Uh, let's see, what else software would I recommend? Uh, well, for companies like Boxshot, Boxshot's good, but that's probably a different mm-hmm. seminar. Um, oh, uh, there's a piece of software called uh, Perfect Resize, which is about 200 bucks, but if you're making banners or anything like that, you can take a piece of, of art and scale it up. Uh, they use some sort of magic fractaly thing, thing that's is. amazing, and you can really scale so, uh, things up to very large size, um, which can be good. It also can be good if you have like old graphics that are small, and you want them bigger.
1: What uh, file format are you usually getting your texts in that, what, uh, that are being brought to you? Texts? I usually get them in doc. That um, just seems to be yeah. the, the standard. Word is, Word is very, uh, very common for us as well, in part because of the track changes thing. that's It's important for our workflow. Uh, one trick, though, uh, if you get a, a Word document that has had uh, track changes on it, and all the changes haven't been accepted at the time you pull it into layout, you will get both the old version and the new version of any, like, corrected text, potentially, coming in, which is a nightmare once you discover it after you've laid out the entire book. And
0: there sometimes are weird <laughs> things, like, um, like uh, uh, sometimes on import, you'll get strange stuff, like, there'll be a weird uh, character style applied to everything in the book. Yeah, and you have
1: to, you have to like... Do a find-replace for so, Like, one of the things we've done to try to get around that is we actually have people do, like, Lightweight pseudo HTML like straight up textual markup mm-hmm. instead of uh, relying on the styles because Word is so inconsistent about providing. Oh, oh yeah, I, I actually I actually don't use order.
0: for formatting of documents. I don't we don't use for, for body text. It's just body text. But for headers, absolutely, we use a hierarchical header system yeah, yeah. because what you can do then is you can do a find replace on that tag. Yeah, and design design you find a
1: replace with text styling as well as actual like replace this text with that text which yeah. is fantastic but sometimes you'll
0: get stuff where a text will come in and, the, and you, the entire document will be like you'll change it to your body text font and it'll keep it in Georgia or something and, but
1: there are tools to deactivate these well, are a no but my favorite thing is when something comes in and it looks like it's got paragraph breaks but actually what it's got is nothing but forced line breaks so you style the first paragraph and everything oh ooh I've never had that that's good fun um, <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah uh, within design you, it's got a lot of very powerful search and replace tools um, and uh, you will quickly find yourself building like two dozen recipes that are your sort of standard litany of okay, I've imported this piece of text. Uh, get rid of all of the extra spaces. Turn all of the things into properly done yeah. dashes. Yeah. I need to, to save. I, I need to
0: save those in scripts. Actually, I haven't done that. Yeah.
1: But um, and also there's
0: a thing called grep styles where you can build
2: format yeah. into yeah. Some yeah.
1: styles. But that's all yeah, I if you've got if you've got any programming background and, and no regular expressions, grep styles are, are extra awesome. And yeah, that's me. Yeah.
2: So
0: I coming from the legal. Everything is uh, Windows. So I actually did start on MS Publisher. But we won't even get into it. Yes, let's But not. so I got the Cloud and I, it, it looks really powerful and very cool, but it's also very daunting. So, what my question is, is how do you teach yourself? I mean, it's almost other like, online
1: tutorials that you recommend yeah. or a book that you might recommend. There,
0: there's about. a shocking amount of information on it. Generally, yeah. when I need to know how to do something, if I search for it online, I'll find a video yeah. tutorial or something. It's amazing. Yeah, there's
1: a, there's a huge number of tutorials out there, and shockingly, uh, a large number of it actually comes from the company producing the software, which does not happen as often as it should. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Adobe's got like, a series of uh, videos, essentially online classrooms, about various topics. Um, um, I would also say, uh, uh, if you're starting to self-teach, uh, don't give yourself a dauntingly large task as your first layout project, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like anything in, in, in business or skill building. You, you need to break it down to like, okay, what, what are the first two or three things I need to do that are building blocks? Do those. Like, make, make a good newsletter before you try to make a good book. Yeah. Um, uh, and sort of work forward from there, and make your mistakes in small scales and in places where you're not investing a huge amount of you know money or or deadline urgency. Yeah, like I know I know Brian is self
0: taught as well, mm-hmm. and, and he is uh, he is I've known him a lot about like five six years seven years something like that. Uh, I've known you since you started becoming a graphic designer. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just Brian has just hammered away at done stuff, and everything he's done has gotten better as he's gone along, because <laughs> you just learned. And you are absolutely guaranteed to look back at stuff you did five years ago. And just go, what?
1: What was well, I thinking? If, yeah. you, if you want to see a real gap in my, uh, my, uh, my my learning curve, look at this after you've looked at Sphere of the Century, 2006, 2010. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's super th- obvious yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what I didn't know uh, yeah. uh, in 2006. Yeah, and I've been
0: doing this for 15 years now, and if I go back and look at the stuff I did at the start, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, I
1: mean, that, that's kind of an artist's melody, it, though. It okay? is. It is.
0: But, but it just, literally, this is a thing that's just the more you do it, and the two most important things are do it and look at
1: other, what other people are doing. And another thing I would say is that um, if you happen to know a graphic designer, I don't know if you do, Justin, um, uh, uh, ask them for a layout file well, on a book that I've you done want done to pull that. apart. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah we, as much
0: as we were joking about the, like, the, the first thing you do is you sit there and you decode their file. If you don't know anything, decoding that file is really useful. Yeah, hugely I mean, useful.
1: And might end up forming a, um, you know, a, a set of uh, preferences for you that either make you excellent for working with that person some more or awful. Depending on whether or not you like how they chose
0: it, The crazy thing about this software, and I think this is a supportable statement, is not even the people that made it know everything it can do. No, this stuff—they basically made a huge toolkit, and some of this stuff, both in Photoshop and, and all the software together. Occasionally, I'll just find something where I'm like, I like—I did not know that. Yes. You know, where and 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 it's incredible—it's incredibly badly documented. Yep. You know, the, the, the online help files that come with it are almost useless. They're just terrible. Um, there and yet, there are those tutorial videos. Tutorial out there, videos. Are there right. are also, I mean, there are also. If you go to Guards and Noble, there are lots of big, big reference books, and some of them are very good. They'll tell you all the basics of what you need to know. Uh, I, I recommend having one of those around if you. to. I mean,
1: but but I'm not a I'm not much of a book learner, which is part of why the the designers yeah. for non designers uh, book was such a revelation because it actually worked for me. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm really very really much really just really butt read. my head up against the problem yeah. until it, it starts working. I
0: tend to use those books. Let I, w- I would <laughs> advise less the the you know classroom in a book unless you learn that way in which case by all means do that and more just find a book that's like really just it's, it's like you know the missing manual or whatever oh, right? Where yeah, it's, yeah. it's really like clearly laid
1: out all the stuff you want to find and, and look for in that. yeah so um, do you want to talk about like book production um, do you guys want to know about actual production of books as well okay cool um who are your favorite printers to work with? That's a good place to start.
0: Okay, uh, I'll yeah. talk about a few that are, that are really really good. Okay, uh, for color stuff, my favorite one to work with right now is a company called Taylor out of Texas. With
1: Taylor's really better yep. than Yeah, they are a former, well, still I suppose. There's a division of Balfour. The Balfour. Who make the class rings for high schools and yearbooks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so the fact that they make yearbooks that enabled them to cross over yearbook, the The yearbook is a
0: little in. soft right now, yeah. <laughs> so they've got these big color printers, and they moved they moved into came into our space, and they've actually so put pretty much in.
1: all of our hard covers we do with. With them, yeah. Um, whether they're color, or you color.
0: you might be able to get some cost savings by going to China, and there, there are some companies that work with China. One of them I'll mention in a moment, who are very very good, which can add three months to your production time and stuff like that. And right. and these guys' pricing is, if not quite as good as China, the trade-offs it's, it's, are it's more. Clo- than worth it's close
1: them. enough, and the fact that you get customer service that um, understands the language you're talking in. Yeah, it's good, um, and uh, uh, time, and um, is <laughs> well similar times then at least, and uh, is also in the same. Native culture, you are in terms of like expectations about customer service and response. Chinese and, and New Year, Chinese up, New Year
0: is not a problem when working with Taylor. Yeah, there's, there's that too. <laughs> now there is their stupid close the week after Fourth of July.
1: Sure, um, but I mean their, their their gaps in their service are are, are smaller, and uh, they uh, by being domestic, um, your only limiter is their turnaround, which is actually like maybe six weeks on uh, on a hardcover book. And they have and that's. Incredible, the best <laughs> online proofing system I've ever come across. It's awesome. It's
0: pretty it's good. good. You just log in, <laughs> all your pages are there. You yeah. mark which yeah. ones you want to fix. It's yeah. really cool. Um, who else I work with? Um, Transcontinental out of Canada. Um, probably about roughly competitive with uh, with uh,
1: Taylor in terms mm-hmm. of pricing. Yep. Hero uh, Games did a lot of their printing with Transcontinental. Yeah, they're they're
0: very uh, they're very. I mean, I, I, I trust them so much I don't even get proofs anymore. Yeah. Uh, color proofs. I get digital proofs, and because I know what I'm going to get color wise with them, so I just get good you know get stuff. Yeah. Um, they're good. Um, if you want to go to China, I can recommend Oceanic. Um, they, are, uh, they, did the, yeah, they did the uh, the Song of Ice and Fire Game you of know, Thrones edition for us. Uh, they also printed the Merck's Miniatures book, which is a beautiful book. Uh, their prices were very good. Their turnaround is slow. Uh, however, the customer service was fantastic. Your rep is in English. Uh, the Chinese reps were shockingly communicative, clear, like they were bugging me to give me information without me asking for it, which I never encountered with a Chinese yeah, yeah That's, and they were very, very good, so I can definitely recommend Oceanic. Uh, there's another called Regents, is Regents, it Regency or Regents Publishing that have been bothering me to work with them, um, but they also have American Reps, and they are uh, pretty much, they're like the Oceanic's kind of competitor, so they're like in the same sort of space. Sure.
1: Uh, Bang are good for domestic black yeah, and white uh, Bang does uh, uh, most of our soft covers uh, right now, They're really now th- good. I, I, I do want to point out um, we're primarily talking about offset printing so this is if you're wanting to print at least a thousand books, often at least two or. Three and we months. can talk about POD in a minute here. Uh, Plus, right. just, there's, there's also short run print on demand uh, services as well Bang actually bridges that they will, they will, they have a digital short run service as well as yeah, a, okay. in, uh,
0: another company I want to mention is uh, United uh, Graphics Incorporated in Mattoon, Illinois who also are similar to Bang in as much as they bridge that gap between between. Mm-hmm. They, they, do, they printed uh, for me. They printed the day after Ragnarok in digital short run, yeah. um, which is you know it really digital short run literally does split the cost difference between you know POD and and full offset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, is there anybody else I worked with? What was that one in Canada again? Uh, Transcontinental. Okay, yeah, I like it. Um no problem. But yeah, uh, and they, they, Transcontinental are uh, they're probably the largest of all of those. They're sort of like a, they're they're, they're a, a very large Canadian printer firm. Um, uh, the rep who runs the RPG stuff there is a guy named Daniel Galina. He's been doing it for ten years now. He understands what you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. He's been there for he's been there since I was back at Dependable Entertainment Group. <laughs> but he's just a really nice guy. The fr- yeah, Franch Canadien, So you want talk to Anne yeah. you
1: know, Laflamme? <laughs> 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 he was um, really nice. But family. you're you're uh, you're at the very least getting some of these. Uh, same geographical benefit as going domestically. Yeah. Um, the delivery time, I
0: mean, they're pretty much, you know, like Taylor's here, Transcontinental's here, because they're, they're in much, they're all over. They, they have a bunch of plants all over. They're also known as Interglobe and a bunch of yeah, other. Most your years.
1: Taylor stuff is going to come out of Texas, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you have any other printers? Mm, actually, I think you're, I'm a subset of the stuff you want Yeah, there's cover. McNaughton and Gun. McNaughton um, and Gun are, are folks I was considering at the time that I then selected Bang. Um, mainly the reason I selected Bang is uh, I, I don't. Not many of you have emailed with me. I respond to my emails and um, what seems, from the responses, unusually fast. Um, uh, I met a uh, 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 you know customer service rep uh, at Bang who responds to email faster than I do. Um, and whenever I encounter someone like that, uh, I tend to want to keep them. Yeah. Um, because I'm yes, uh, because I'm so. So, very strongly digital communications oriented um, yeah. and stuff like and that. And, some, and very often, it is customer service that is the differentiator between these services. Yeah.
0: And w- once again, Bang has been doing this stuff for years, they understand us thoroughly. thoroughly yep. They're good. Yep. Um, yep. So, um, so, for POD, pretty much, um, well, I'll you know,
1: be opinionated here, Lulu sucks, and if you're using them, stop. They're terrible. They're a, they're a very good place to start if you want to invest nothing. There um, you yeah, go. That's all right, that's that's reasonable. Right. I mean, because they give you a market where, where you can sell that's that's where we started with our first Pebble books back in two thousand and six, and when Lulu was fairly new. Um, that said, uh, these days, and specific to the role playing game market, um, the fact that uh, Drive Through RPG has has partnered up with Lightning Source, Ingram Spark Ingram Spark or whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days. Um, uh, to do their print on demand uh, thing, you've got a market that, unlike Lulu, is very heavily and specifically oriented on, um, on role playing games. And as a result, um, uh, you're, you're probably going to capture a lot more eyeballs with your you know, pay nothing in front uh, 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 print on demand option. Yeah, and
0: Lightning Source is, is, uh, is good. They're not as lightning the first time you print a book with them, but after no. that, they're pretty quick. Yep. The turnaround time on the initial book. They say two weeks; it's going to be three or a month. I mean, it's just a pain in the butt because you have to go through their proofing thing and get it approved. Mm-hmm. So don't don't try to print something for the first time with Lightning Source two weeks before Gen Con
1: and think you have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I w- I will say that uh, uh, through the drive drive through program, um, you're uh, not having to pay a certain number of uh, like fairly modest setup costs, um, uh, which is which is a nice perk. Also, you're not having to get all sorts of business paperwork filed with Lightning Source in order to validate yourself as a real business that they will do business with. Because you're not the one uh, uh, actually doing business with them, drive through is. Yeah, I mean, I've already established um, that, but I think if I, if I had to do over again, I'd just do through drive through. Yeah, exactly. You um,
2: Spark has sort of streamlined those processes a little bit if you go it's direct to that. Because it, yeah, I mean, be, it used to be so convoluted. Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, I, it took me like six months get the business side uh, on, um, Yeah, I mean, like like I was saying,
1: uh, we, we started with Lulu, and then we started to transition to wanting to do short runs, uh, uh, which also get get called print on demand sometimes, but they're not quite the same thing. And uh, with that, I went to Lightning Source, and their their, you know, their paperwork process is what it was. Um, so I used them for a while, but then as they started to improve their service, I was... Evil Hat was getting to the point where our print runs mm-hmm. were usually sized for offset, so we just fell out of using them except for reprints. Have you tried to create things? Well, I
0: was actually going to mention one thing, and that is that this you can't do with with Lightning Source, and that is full bleed. They cannot do full bleed black and white. You can do full bleed color. And full bleed means ink that runs all the way yeah, to the edge yeah, of the print, page. Yes. If, you, if you're if you printing something with, with Lightning Source, make sure all of your graphic stuff is an eighth of an inch away from the edge of the page. And it, the reason is, is because the reason they've been able to do it so cheaply is they run multiple jobs on sheets at once, which means they can't guarantee ch- uh, the cut lines so they don't do full bleed on that it's annoying as hell it's, it's really maddening annoying. but it's the way it works but Yeah,
1: and it forces you to design around it sometimes. yeah so, uh,
0: color color they can do so I was going to suggest if you absolutely want to do POD with full bleeds create space I've
1: seen some books from in
0: there I don't know much about their internal workings yeah but
1: I I the only time I had a chance to form an impression of Space was when they were kind of spinning up and freshly acquired by Amazon. I've and seen some books from recently. There were some customer service issues around it, it that, that kind of uh, kept, kept me good. from like wanting to use them, but I've heard increasingly good things about them in more recent years. It's just that they're not they're not operating um, in, a, in a particular approach that is useful for me, so I don't have. To. And, and they do plug directly
0: into Amazon, of course. Yes, yeah, um, but now, but then again, if Ingram has acquired Lightning Source, I don't know if you guys know who Ingram, in- 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 Ingram is. Ingram is the biggest distributor of books to the book trade. Yeah, actually, um, there's
2: some, there's there's a really important point about CreateSpace versus Ingram Lightning Source. Mm-hmm. right, I'm not sure about Lightning Source, but the new Ingram agreement, if you have um, if you have distributed through CreateSpace. Um, you cannot distribute through Amazon using Ingram. So that's something to... Uh, yeah, it's, something there's,
1: there's a lot of trying to um, force exclusives onto the market going wherever you hear Amazon coming up. there, There's almost certainly some sort of policy in place where they're trying to say, no, we are the only source.
2: Um, the, the other thing about create space to keep in mind is a lot of like all of your fake books are all that matte finish on the outside. Mm-hmm. They don't do matte finish yet, although here it's coming. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah,
1: the reason we do um, uh, matte finish, on, have done matte finish on the fake core line it, as opposed to the glossy that you see on uh, Dresden is twofold. Uh, one is that uh, glossy, when it gets taken off a shelf and reshelved repeatedly, uh, tends to scuff much more obviously. Um, this is not necessarily a huge problem for the gamer who has the book on their shelf at home, but it can be a big problem if you want your book in uh, retail because if it shows shelf wear quickly, um, that quickly becomes a bargain-bin product or something that the, the, essentially the retailer feels like they've wasted their money on. Uh, secondly, is uh, uh, while glossy is nice and shiny, um, you get color fidelity that you can read at all angles with matte. Um, there's also a kind of a subtle third thing of it feels silky. Yeah, yeah. plus and you can spot another, varnish this, yeah, which is really you can awesome. spot varnish, <laughs> it, which is cool. But uh, that 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 silky hand feel, I think, also cr- creates people wanting to touch the books just a little longer and a book that is touched longer is more likely to get bought. Yeah. I will, uh, but it, it, that's a completely uh, style
0: choice and everything like that and I will say that sometimes the UV code just makes the art pop a little bit more because it does give it, it a brighter brighter feel um, and uh, uh, d- 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 I, I had to just deal with the scuffing issue. That will happen over time. Yeah. Another
2: yeah. I can do a retail anecdote so. on the gloss finish.
1: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then we'll get to John. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, when books are really, really brand new and they come right out with the gloss finish, a lot of times, laminate hasn't really set all that well, mm. and it will, leave, it will leave fingerprints on the book, especially if it's got a really dark cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will take a couple of weeks before the, your fingers will not leave prints on them. But of course, the time in which the book is being handled the most is when it comes out of the shop. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's, yeah, that's yeah, um, that's that makes me feel I better mean, about the sixteen days it <laughs> takes lines to ship out our, our orders <laughs> yeah. To yeah. Detail. You wait um, A couple of weeks. Uh, the, the what was the thing? Um, I've heard some people say, "Oh, if it's uh, not glossy, it's not going to resist spills at my uh, table as much." Um, that's kind of bunk because while this is Matt, you aren't actually touching the paper. You're touching another kind of laminate that just happens to have a different texture on
0: it. In fact, I think there's a UV yeah. laminate on there that then they may put a, a matte coat
1: over. Yes. So yeah. it's got that. It's just got another thing on top of it. That That's the way a lot of people do that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is as waterproof as any book is. You know, this to this. this. Uh, yeah. I just want to
0: say a quick thing about also uh, Lightning Sources. I've done a couple of ha- a smaller hardcovers with them, and their hardcovers are remarkably good. I was actually very, very pleased by yeah. the binding the, quality. it feels did. a little thin well, to me. The, the paper, but the paper does, but the binding itself is actually okay, very. very yeah. Nice. And early POD bindings for hardcovers were just garbage, absolute garbage. Yeah, in these very, days very crap. they've gotten the technology has advanced so much in terms of that.
1: So
2: yeah. uh, can we talk price for a second? Yep. The uh, pay what you want model, either for POD or whatever. Drug, drug okay, drug. so we're talking more like digital yeah, yeah, books. Stuff uh, is that more of uh, an effective way to recoup costs, or is it just easier to go? I'm going to eat. X amount of dollars. Uh, I, I
1: feel it is an effective way to um, um, advertise your product line and make it yeah, the first one's free kind of, kind of buy in thing. So um, is that like more advertising, a, advertising? I view it stuff. as more of a marketing. I mean, Chris can comment on this because he helped us form the decision of whether or not we were to do, going to do that with things like the toolkit in addition. Um, but uh, uh, it is. Uh, while uh, Evil Hat has has pulled in a fair amount because our our fans are awesome uh, with pay what you want, um, more likely it's free with a tip jar. Like like if you had um, gone from without being able to, from the
0: get go with all your costs existing, you might have been a little more reluctant to do it. Yeah, right? I mean, and yeah. that's the thing it's like we're, we a lot of our books we haven't moved to anything to pay what you want. Although I think we may do that with some of our older stuff like True Twenty
1: because whatever. Yeah, why not? But also with uh, like Fake Core, we always knew that we wanted our core book. To be free, because we want that to be the virus that infects everyone. Sure. Then they come and spend money on this, or yeah. they go, "Oh, I really want like a nice, touchable physical copy." But, so but, it, is, you know, but it is a question,
0: question whether you know, do you want to you know charge for it until you've paid for your costs, then go you know pay what you want after you have at least covered your costs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Fred is right that that it's not a super viable. I mean, we're not Jonathan Colton. We're not. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's the very rare person that can actually do that and make money doing it. It can be done. Yep. There are people doing it out on the web right now, yeah. but it's a very rare thing to do, and I think Fred's right that it's more advertising with a tip jar than it is business model. Yeah, I, I, see, it, I you <laughs> see
1: it as your foot in the door, and it's much uh, its much more powerful as a strategy if you then also got a product line backing it up um, that does not pay what you want. Yeah. Um, I mean, that said, if you've got the kind of audience... Um, and it's hard to know this until you've already like I don't know run a Kickstarter or whatever that that that's informed you of the size of it. Um, uh, uh, with uh, three of our uh, fake core, fake accelerated and fake toolkit, and uh, pay what you want across like two or three months, I think we pulled in about nine thousand dollars in pay what you want donations. That is ultra weird, ultra rare um, from from everything I've talked to. It's it's not. Turning something to pay what you want is not instantly going to get you audience you don't already have. Um, um, in
0: terms of actual... Let's just talk really quickly about book costs, though. Um, generally, when you're setting the price, the retail price for your book... Paying audience. I pay, paying audience. Uh, for, for a physical product, you're going to get about 35% of your cover price um, back once it's once it's filtered down through... Especially if you're working with a management company. Yeah. Estimate 35 because if you're doing your shipping yourself, you'll get more, and that's cool. Yeah, but yeah. 35 if you have somebody like PSI or somebody doing your, your, your marketing for you. Um, so make sure that you figure out your pricing so that the number of copies you're gonna sell covers your costs. And your costs involve not
1: just the printing, they cost, you know, the, the, the your time, well guess what? You're a self yeah. publisher. I mean I know, think but. I think a good principle if you know that you're say you're going to get, I don't know, thirty six percent, then you don't want your cost of say printing a unit of, of that book to be greater than eighteen yeah. percent of the of the MSRP. Uh, yeah. because really kind of ideal case is in the is when making a sale for the least amount of money, you are still paying for two books. And this is the reason why
0: PMD is not viable to sell it to stores because your cost per unit is generally, you know, on a book is going to be something more like. Yeah. Whereas for an offset run, you're talking at like, you know, between 2 to $5. You're Although talking
1: short run has managed to. D- digital get, short run is different. Specifically that's, for soft cover black and white, so yeah. you've gotten the cost down to where. Okay, oh, sure. And yeah. And that's part of why you. Uh, that's the economic side of why you've seen the sort of explosion of indie RPGs over the past 10 years is, yeah. the, is the rise of digi- uh, digital short-run printing. Digital like short-run it, you can get you your down. for them to actually get into stores like Endgame. Yeah, you can, you
0: can you know, get your costs down to, you know, two or three bucks a unit, whereas, but but they're printing books that if you went offset, you'd be more like a buck fifty a
1: unit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so you're still sacrificing something, but you're still viable for sale. Right. The, the economies of scale do exist in digital short-run, but the economies of scale in um, offset are are freaking amazing. We have a... Uh, one of the reasons paid Accelerated we can put out there for uh, as a $5 book is because our unit cost on it is 30-something cents because we printed 13,000 units of it yeah. at one time.
0: There comes a point in, anytime you're getting a print quote where you'll reach the point where you pay the basic costs and extra units become progressively pennies on the dollar in terms yeah. of what you're getting. Yeah. So you say you're printing, you know, like your, your print run of, of uh, 2,000, your costs are $25,000. A print run of 5,000 may cost you $29,000 yeah, because those extra kind of 3,000 books are just them leaving the printer I, I find running. depending on
1: depending on your printer that breakpoint is either around 3000 or 4000 bucks and le, and le, let me tell you right now in the RPG market 3000 or 4000 is actually a fairly high number for for single printing for a lot of RPGs um, unless you're getting into like audience on the scale of like Song, Bice, and Fire. Yeah if you yeah. if you're, if you're or, printing
0: yeah. two less than 2000 of something you probably should do digital short run mm. and if you're printing less than 750 you probably should POD it um, that's
1: probably a good rule of thumb. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they're... Maybe, maybe, I, maybe as low as like I, below I think those things have been evolving such that those numbers are starting to get a little bit lower. Like yeah, yeah. But the breakpoints are, are not static here right, over right. year.
0: So, but, oh, and um, uh, there is no color POD that is viable for, uh, for retail, for retail yeah, at all right just now. Not, just it's not. A, it's a direct item or nothing. Unless you're making something so marquee that you can charge like 70... I mean, honestly, that's not necessarily true. If I did a 75 copy... Full color POD run of something where there are only 75 copies and I charged 100. Yep. By God, I could get that mm-hmm. into retail. What are you saying, Monty? <laughs> 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 oh,
1: if yeah. only. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got. So do we, Two questions? minutes left. Does anyone have a uh, last question or an area that we wish we done Is there a anything, lightning round? We didn't. Yeah,
2: we can. yeah. Can you talk about digital book design just quickly, like? Mm. EPUB,
0: uh, Epub, reflowable text. How that uh, differs, I use uh, I use a piece of software called Legend Maker that Mike, the author Mike Stackpole, turned me onto. Um, it's pretty simple. It's basically like doing HTML markup. Yeah, you can do an entire book if you're if you know what you're doing in probably about a day. Um, uh, and I think that that frankly, not enough people. It's funny because the, I think that the a well formatted book the difference between a bad one and a good one is—it's—it's it's a lot farther than a, a lot closer than the distance between a badly laid out physical book because of the, just their tolerances are so. But you can tell
1: when a, when a, when a one is well formed and that as, as much as InDesign would like to give you a one-push, uh, one-button solution to take your nicely laid out for physical book and bam you've got an EPUB, it's 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 kind of crappy. Um, but uh, what I do, uh, I don't have the time to like learn the like specific quirks of uh, EPUB or um, Kindle uh, uh, formatting even though I do know HTML um, so I pay a guy who does it a lot um, and what I do is I give him my InDesign uh, file uh, he has I believe InDesign uh, do its kind of semi-mangling export as his baseline and, and then he yeah. gets in there with an HTML editor and just yeah. like sorry, goes, yeah. no all the sidebars should not yeah. be at the end of this chapter they should actually be where they were yeah. positioned yeah. And,
0: I'm actually about, yeah. to, do it, like about to do an e-pub on a book that has a crap ton of footnotes and I'm going to be really interested to see how that all works mm-hmm. out <laughs> uh, What's
1: this author called again?
0: Uh, it's called Legend Maker. It's about 50 bucks I think. Yeah, it's it's five very five well five. worth it. And Brian? Oh,
1: uh, I just had a question about the actual differences in price between domestic North America, uh, and going
0: to not as big as you think. Right, like if you're doing black and white, either hardcover or, or softcover, stay in America. It's just it, yeah, you're mean, not going to get
1: the the, the the difference in that you make up in time. I feel more than makes up for the difference in cost. But, but even I
0: mean, if you talk yeah, about yeah. cost, black and white, you're not going to get a cost benefit unless you're printing a, a huge amount.
1: So it really just isn't worth it. Because some of the some of that gap is going to get eaten up by the the shipping, uh, the cost of shipping here. Which, yeah. granted. Um, Um, by the way foreign markets are able to ship to us more cheaply but we are not able to ship to them
0: when you use a foreign printer my full advice to be is make sure that your printer is end to end like their job is to get it in a truck to your warehouse you don't want to deal with customs you don't want to have to deal with any of that that is their problem you have other things to do Um, I've heard nightmares of people having to deal with getting stuff into the country in terms of that and Oh shit! The, the printers I've worked with in the past from China have always just taken care of that. That's yeah. their job, not mine.
1: I mean, th- th- I would love to be able to give you like a specific percentage or, or dollar figure in that, but it's very quote dependent, I, it's very project specific dependent in terms of what the gas is If I
0: were to ballpark it, I would say you're probably if you can go overseas and, can, and take the time, you're probably going to get about a twenty percent advantage. Okay. It used to be forty. There was a time. Yeah. There was yeah, a time it when, when the time print, was no there question. was a time where if you were not printing in China, you were being economically irresponsible. <laughs> I mean, it was d- that cheap. But the things are flattening now, and. Um, and especially with time, and especially with the stuff like, whoops, I didn't know it was the Lunar New Year, everything's closed for a week. Yeah. You know, whoops, oh, it got trapped in customs. You know, all, that stuff can't happen. Like, swear, uh, you, I'm seeing a lot more of that now with the board game guys who they, those guys have to print in China. There's just yeah. no way to do it domestically yeah, yet, uh, of cost effectively, and you know, stuff will get caught in customs. So, but uh, about twenty percent, you or can, in a culture gap, which is yeah. All but if problems. you if you have the time, like if you're not dependent on 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 your product being by here by a certain date. I would definitely look at China, and because right. the quality level is, is just as good here in America, you can sometimes get better quality for cheaper. And you know, but the time you're going to look at like a good company, it'll take you three months to get
1: it here. Okay, right. Just Considering if you if, uh, if you really wanted to have your book in time for, for the summer shows, but the book was nearing nearing getting done now. Sure, and you had a ready to get out. Now keep in mind, though, you can still find three. yourself falling into a six-month-wide hole that you didn't realize was But there. also keep, keep but in mind know, that they
0: that, awesome. also a lot of times, you know, that you're paying for the books predicated on sales. So you can pay for it all up front,
1: absolutely do it over there. So anyway, we're, we're two minutes over. So. Yep. All right. Thank you, everybody. You can find me online at which is how it sounds, <laughs> and <laughs> I answer all kinds of questions. And I'm on Twitter Nine as Atomic Overmind, line. and I'll be happy to answer anything as well. Now it's time to go play Interstellar Love Command. Right. Now it's time for me to go over there and do a Halloween. Well, you can do it. I'll but follow you. Uh, there's a statement. With the no, no. That you're there there's wrong yeah, Stoxy, what whatever you do. Uh, so Hal? No is that your please?
0: It is, thanks. Cookbooks what? I that. I'm just later. going to go Here, on. you
1: carry that. The
0: rooms up and the other way up there, they're literally the and the air conditioning are alternating.
2: Sh- sh- it's sh- sh- bizarre. Like. Uh, Let's heat everybody. Wait, they're not putting body heat. See the crowd? Make, yeah. make them cold. Make them cold. Make them cold. Make them
1: time.